Mm. Father, as we stand on the threshold of this Thanks new year, we want to make 2016 My prayer is in this message, every person in this place would feel the tug of the Holy Spirit on their souls to break through to new levels of intimacy and spiritual maturity in their knowledge and experience of you. Oh Lord, we pray. We pray that you would uh, put first principles in place as you prophesied to us just now. Lord, as I, we unpack this now together, Lord, that each of us will understand the first principles of following you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Well, we finally got to see Star Wars. Who's seen Star Wars? The, look at this. Come on, the rest of you, get going. You've got to book your tickets. Some people have seen it twice. The Force Awakens. There comes a critical moment in Star Wars um, film when Rey, who's played by Daisy Ridley, um, realises that she is no ordinary person in fighting the dark forces epitomised by Kylo Ren. Now, we must recognise that it is a mismatch of various religious themes from Eastern Buddhism uh, to, uh, to overlaid with Judeo-Christian stuff um, I'm just thankful that Christianity is not about an impersonal force, but a dynamic relationship with Father God that's very, very personal. It's an important difference. It's not an impersonal force. But the film's a great popcorn munching story, isn't it? Hey, you're allowed to say yes. The, the turning point in the film is when Ray, spelt R-E-Y, realises she is not just a mere human, but there is a dimension she could tap into that would affect change to her circumstances, that changes the dynamics. She realises there's a supernatural element imparted to her life. And from that point on, the film changes direction. I hope you realise, for those of you that are born again by the Spirit of God, there's a supernatural dimension and element to your life. I don't think all of us realise it. But what we've heard today through the testimony, thank you for what you shared. Linda, it was excellent. It just underlines what we want to say this morning. That we are not mere humans. When the Spirit of God is within us, the seed of the kingdom is there, our challenge is to make sure we let it grow and water it to make sure the kingdom of God grows within us. Coming around the M20, Junction 10, it's a joy, isn't it? (laughs) An incident occurred in my life last Tuesday afternoon that really disturbed my spirit. It just did indicating that I was moving over from one invisible lane to another where the lines just seemed to disappear. There was a driver behind me um, was clearly frustrated with my manoeuvre, but you have to make it. And I was just shocked. I was shocked at the anger, the bile, the outrage, the fist cleansing. I was just saddened and shocked. I was just thank God that that morning... I prayed specifically before I went out. I thought it would be an easy day. I'll just, you know, Lord, I just pray you'll, you'll overrule my emotions, my reactions and actions. I want the Holy Spirit to, to fill me. 
And the natural response of me to that would have been to retaliate with lots of gestures. (sighs) Because I'm a mere human. But also recognising I'm a man whom the Holy Spirit dwells in. And so I was driving along and I, I just let it go. And Sue wasn't even aware until after the incident, um, which is a nice, nice surprise. Um, but what really hit me was <laughs> how little ungrace and lack of peace there was in this person's life. Maybe she'd just had a row. I was trying to ask, well, how could she be like that? How can you get like that where you're threatening other people's life with your driving after she left, overtook me? Maybe she just heard some really bad news. Maybe she'd just allowed the cares of life to overwhelm her. Maybe she was simply late for work. Again, maybe. There's so much ungrace manifested and lack of peace in her life. It it drove it home to me afresh that the gospel that we have is relevant to everybody in this town because it is a gospel of grace and a gospel of peace. It transforms us. Well, we don't have to react to life circumstances, but we can rule over life circumstances. And the kingdom of God can, can... It's within us, church. Jesus said, it's not there or here. It's within you. The kingdom of God is within. And first principle, we've got to see the kingdom of God grow. This seed of the kingdom that God's put in, we have the responsibility for watering that seed. The world needs to know that we have access to grace and peace. You see, when we become genuine Christians, we're no longer powerless. But we have access to supernatural resources through our Heavenly Father to live differently. So when we become Christians, you can live different to how you... That's what a gospel's about. And there's two presents God wants to give us. Grace and peace. There's grace and peace available to you if you are a believer. The Apostle Paul started every letter in his letters to the New Testament churches. We have it in the New Testament. He says, grace from the Father and peace from our Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 1 verse 2, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 1 verse 2. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with overseers and deacons. To grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.2. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father. 1 Thessalonians 1.1. To the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. If you're moving in the grace and the peace of God, people will see the difference. People will see the difference in your life. If you're allowing the grace of God and the peace of God to be received and flow through you, you will make a difference. And you will feel the difference. Paul only differs in his opening salutation when writing personally to a church leader, Timothy in Ephesus, when he says this, Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. 
I think leaders need mercy for God in leading the flock. It's an extra requirement. So to, to Timothy, you don't need, you'd only not need grace and peace. You're going to need mercy because it's not easy being a leader in any sphere of life. We have access to approach. My question and my provocation to you today, but do we? Do we? Do we take that opportunity to approach? The book of Hebrews, it says this, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. I love what was shared this morning in that testimony, what Linda shared. She was boldly approaching the throne of grace. Why? So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And boy, do we need grace to live in the 21st century. And that's why I think it's important. This is first principle for us. We were wanting to cast a big vision for you today. We, we have got stuff we want to share. But we just felt a check in our spirit saying, this has got to be first principle, church. Because you can have the, the most dynamic program, the, the greatest vision. But if each one of us individually isn't appropriating and drinking from and drawing from the throne of God's grace daily, there'll be a weakness in the church at foundational level. And I say this, uh, just been a surprise the last year, talking to people, not just from this church, other churches, people who are involved in ministry, that they're the lack of this daily devotion to Jesus. As if you can get by on the Sunday meeting. It, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. We're supernatural and God's wired us up to be linked to him every day and to draw down his grace and peace for her life in times of need. So if you want to receive both grace and peace, it's basically up to us to do the approaching, do you think? Um, you are allowed to... Uh, am I teaching heresy here? Let us, let us draw near. If we need help in time of need, we approach God's throne. I need help daily. The older I get as a Christian, the more I recognise how weak I am. Some people say that's spiritual maturity, just recognising how weak you are. So I, I, I'm having to draw, I can say this hand on heart, I draw on God daily. I have to. Not because I'm a leader, but because of, of who I am. I have to draw on God daily. It's not an option for me any longer. I just have to. I just have to. People will say to me, will you pray for me? And I say, yes, of course. But are you responding to the Father's personal invite for you to approach and pray yourself? For you to take responsibility. Don't live by proxy prayer of others. The, the grace of God, the throne of God is available to you. And I want to say some good news. If you're not a Christian, the grace of God is available to you. It's a throne of grace. Well, I failed. I can never be a Christian. Oh, it's grace means, I'll tell you what grace means in a minute, but it means you have access to God. Grace to help in times of need. You see, grace is free, sovereign favour of God 
to the ill-deserving. Me. Me. Don't deserve it. I do, do not deserve it. But Graham, I'll give you grace. Steve, he'll give you grace. Grace is love that cares and stoops and rescues. Oh, do you need loving and do you need rescuing? Yes. I'll, I'll come to the throne of grace. Grace is unconditional love towards a person who does not deserve it. I don't deserve it. I really don't deserve this grace. But because it's grace, he gives it to me. Do you want to receive more grace from the Father? He wants to give you more undeserving and unwarranted grace. But it's for up to you to draw near. He can't do that for you. It's a relationship. The question is, are you intending to position yourself to receive it? God's prophet declared to his ancient people of old, who were so busy but failed to really engage with daily with God, this is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You see, repentance is a change of mind. It's a recognition, I've got to live my life differently if I'm really going to come through and let the kingdom of God grow within me and I'm going to be full of moving grace and peace, I've got to repent of thinking I could just get away with it with the odd plug-in. I, I, I need God. Honestly, I, I really need God. I need him. I just need him. And being a Christian recognises you can't do life on your own. That's what it is. Well, it's a crutch. Christianity is a crutch. Yes, it is. I just need to lean on him. I've stopped pretending that I can do it. I've come to my senses. Jesus said this. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's saying that to you, and he's saying it to me. Come to me. Come to me, and I will give you rest. But, but Father, I, I need, I'm heavy laden every day. Well, come to me every day. <laughs> Michael Horton says this, In grace, God gives nothing less than himself. Grace, then, is not a third thing or substance mediating between God and sinners, but Jesus Christ in redeeming action. Remember the... the lady on Junction 10. The gospel is still relevant, more so than ever, to a malnourished world. And we should be more confident than we are in sharing the good news because people are looking for peace... And people are looking for grace, a way through to live differently. Let me tell you something. When we live in unpeace, if I can use that word, I've just made it up. If we can live in unpeace, we limit the flow of the Holy Spirit through our lives. You see, being busy is not the same as being fruitful. One thing we never read about is in Jesus' ministry, is that he rushed about. Never did. Never read Jesus ran. The only time 
there's reference to God running is in the parable of the, of the prodigal son. When the prodigal son comes back, Jesus paints this picture of Father God lifting up his tunic and running to meet the person who's repenting and wants to come back to him. That's the only time. When Jesus was baptised to identify himself with sinful man in the River Jordan, the Holy Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove. Now you imagine it for a moment. A bird lands on your head. It's not going to stay very long there if you're rushing around. It's either going to dig his claws in or fly off. And as we move through life and work... The more harassed we are, the less we'll sense the peace of God and the Holy Spirit working through us. It's not rocket science, is it? But it comes through being with him every day and casting all our cares, giving, committing this, our day to the Lord. Now, some of you say, well, I, I have to go to work very early. In the morning, I can't do it. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying find a time during the day when it's just between you and the Lord Jesus. and You may approach the Father's throne. But if you can get up early and to seek him, I think that's a good thing. Because you're putting on the whole armour of God, aren't you? And I don't put on armour to go to bed. I, put me, I don't even put my job. No, that's not, I shouldn't tell you that. I, I, I put the electric blanket on. Yeah. You see, God's original intention was for man to reflect his image. We're made in the image of God. But when the water surface of our lives are so disturbed, people can't see the reflection. Philippians 4.4 gives us an indication of how we can receive God's peace. Paul writes to the Ephesians church, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, that's what Linda, it was so helpful what Linda shared. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So how do you get that? You come to God with petition and prayer with thanksgiving. You've always got something to thank God for. Your house is not flooded. Man alive. That's something to thank God for. Food on the table. I've got a choice of food. Well, do you want a slice of turkey or ham? Oh, I don't know. Always thank God. You know, simple things to thank God for things. And in doing that, it, it produces a peace in our lives because we're, we're redirecting our inner life toward a recognition that God is our provider and our source. Corrie ten Boom said this, When I look at the world, I get distressed. When I look at myself, I get depressed. But when I look at Jesus, I find rest. In 2016, church, our corporate fruitfulness will be determined by the extent by which we together live in the grace and the peace of God, the Father and his Son. Do you think that's a fair statement? 
because of each little drop, it forms a rivulet, which forms a stream, forms a river. This will be our inner strength as a church, where we're, every day with, we're learning how to pray and how to read the scriptures before him. It's an adventure. I'm loving it. I'm even loving the book of Job at the moment. I'm going through Job, but I'm not depressed. <laughs> I, read, I, have a, I put a, a psalm sandwich into it as well, just to lighten it up a bit. But I've read the end, and it's, it's, I always like to read the end of Job to keep me going, if you know the book of Job. The Holy Spirit inspired the writers of the gospel to include the story of Martha and Mary for good reason. If you were to turn to Luke chapter 10, you would see, um, I referred to it recently, that we want to be a Mary church and not a Martha-style church. But I'll read it. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Now us preachers give Martha a hard time, which I think is unfair. Because I just want to draw your attention to this. It says, now as they went on their way. Who was they? Thank you. I know my wife would help me here. Jesus and his disciples, and as they went on their way. So when they went to the house, how many people had turned up? Twelve? Thirteen. Well done, yeah, thirteen. So thirteen hungry guys turned up to a house unexpectedly. That's pressure. That's pressure. But Martha was distracted with much serving. (laughs) With much serving. A distraction is the enemy of listening. That's why when I go have a time with the Lord, I turn my phone off, I close the door just as Jesus told me. I, I just, just don't get distracted because I get so easily distracted. The worst thing to do when you have a time of the Lord is to answer the look at a text or an email. It just wrecks it. But Martha was distracted. You see, serving became the enemy of the real good. And perhaps Jesus was quite content with beans on toast rather than a savoury kogel, which is a very um, elaborate Israeli dish. Baked sweet or savoury casserole made of noodles and pot potatoes with vegetables, fruit and fresh cheese. It's Jesus. He's got to have the best. Now, I think he would have been happy with beans on toast if he did beans on toast. He wanted time with her, not the food. When Jesus is in the house, he becomes the focus of the feast. And Mary instinctively made the internal alignment you know, it's so easy to be, to be, it's so possible to be busy serving the church, in the church, and not spending time with Jesus daily listening to him. And that's a dangerous thing. 
because we get into externalism. You mean as well as worshipping, we have to listen to him? Absolutely. Absolutely. Jesus still speaks to us as a church. It's wonderful, the prophetic, um, the, the tongue that Bob brought us this morning, the interpretation. He's certainly still speaking to the world and he wants to speak to the church. Come to me, all who are heavy burden, and I will give you rest. He's quite good at doing it. I do believe Jesus. I, you know, I don't know about you, but I tend to believe him. He's pretty consistent. Now, there's a worldly peace that, pass, uh, that, that, that's fine when everything's going our way. But the peace Jesus gives is totally different. There's a false peace that when you cook the turkey, it's perfect. And Sunday, that Christmas dinner, it goes perfect. There's peace in all household. When everything's, everything's perfect, comes on time. Right? That's not the peace Jesus is speaking about. You see, God said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord, in Isaiah 58. That should make us very suspicious of being distracted with much serving and of little intimacy or no intimacy with the Lord. Because we have to learn what the Lord thinks on a situation. Lord, what are you saying in this situation? What do you want? You're the head of the church. We're not going to bring our brains to this. We want what you're saying in this situation. He might have two jobs on, go, on offer at the same time. You're applying for just, Lord, we want what, what do you want from this? The temptation for us to live daily on spiritual crumbs that fall from the table of others than spend time with Jesus daily is a real danger. The trouble is that days turn into weeks. I'll do it next, next week. But then weeks turn into months. And the real tragedy is that months can turn into years. And I say that knowing I've spoken to people who have significant ministries that they've really allowed that to happen in their life. They're living on fumes. And that will not produce a strong church. It won't produce strong families. It won't produce strong relationships. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, that great Baptist preacher, said this, I must take care above all that I cultivate communion with Christ, for, for though it can never be the basis of my peace, mark that, yet it will be the channel of it. In Acts 4, verse 13, talking about the um, first apostles, when the, the, the authorities saw the courage of Peter and John, they were uns- that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. Why is it you are different at work? My brother phoned me up, I do love my dear brother, he phoned me up, he said, what are you doing today? I said, well, first... <laughs> I thought I might as well tell him. I said, well, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm going to have a pray now. I'm going, to, I'm going upstairs and pray first, and I'll do a bit of uh, DIY, and then we're, Sue's cooking a meal for 30 people, and, you know, and uh, I thought, but I thought, actually, yeah, I'm going to pray first. It wasn't, I wasn't showing off, it just, that's what I do. <laughs> but the shock, and I, I, I just saw my brother, and he was, wow. Sounds like, you could tell you, it sounds exciting. <laughs> You're going to pray, yeah, that's 
That's what I do. I'm just going to pray first before anything else. I want to just talk to you briefly about what I do. Now, some people use these so they don't go cold. I have a little tradition. When I go and have my time with God upstairs in the back bedroom in an Ikea chair, I take this secret weapon. It's coffee or tea, whichever. This is, I get choice. So I go for Earl Grey tea. So I have a pot of, I have a um, tea bag full of Earl Grey tea. I go up with, often with a, often with a, a round of toast and marmalade. And I sit. And I have my Bible out and I read a chapter a day. On the whole, it's a chapter a day. Unless I'm feeling really sparky. And I, I, I pray, I use the Lord's Prayer as a model. Because sometimes I may have an hour, sometimes I may have ten minutes. The great thing about the Lord's Prayer, it's like a concertina, the principle you can pray uh, compressed as a model, or you can have lots of time. So I start by thanking God, our Father in heaven. Father, I thank you. I thank you for yesterday, in it all, that you love me. I thank you for food, I thank you for the birds, I thank you for my wife, I thank you. It just goes on. Then your kingdom come. What do I pray next? Um, Hallowed be your name. Lord, I want, I want to live a God-glorifying life today. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Father, I pray your kingdom will come in the church and in the world. I pray your kingdom will come in our life. Your kingdom come. Your... And I pray your will be done in all the decisions you need to make today. Then I think about people who I want to pray for. Right? Pray for Moses. He really helped Moses at his, at his school. I'm not going to embarrass anybody else, but I pray for you. Then I, I pray, God, give us, this, give us, not me, give us this daily bread. And I pray for jobs for people. I pray that God will help you. I pray for my family. Then I pray, God, forgive us our sins. I pray that God forgive me my sin, and I pray to forgive you, your sin, because I know you sin. You lot sin. <laughs> Do you know that? You sin. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's the only prayer Jesus never prayed because he never sinned. And I sin. Keep short accounts with God. Then I pray, often, now where I failed in the past, I often stop at that because I run out of time. And I fail to pray, Lord, keep us from temptation. But I pray, God, keep us from temptation. Temptations to stop trusting. Lots of temptations. I pray for you, Ian. Remarkable story of you too. pray that your faith wouldn't give in with all the business enterprises. And lead us not into, deliver us from evil. I know we have an enemy who wants to stop it. Yours the power and the kingdom, the glory, forever and ever, amen. Thank you, Lord, I've received grace. Okay, are you ready? Got me sandwich for work, Sue, let's go to work. That's it. That's it. If you're going through a desert phase spiritually, and you do, it's insane to try and get through on your own resources. The most a person can survive without water is three days, so bare grills. And I don't want to drink my own urine. 
That's just gross. I saw him put a mouse in. No, no, put a mouse in. Oh, no, just gross. Sorry? (laughs) On the last great day of the feast, it says in John 7, that Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. It's all about coming to him. It's coming to him. It's coming to him. If you're thirsty, you need, come to him. You need grace, come to him. If you need peace, come to him. But you would not come to him. If anyone is thirsty, let him come. But Lord, I'm going through a desert. Well, go to him. You can't survive more than three days without drinking. I want to pray a prayer. I'm praying for you. The Apostle Paul prayed in Galatians. It's ringing with me. My dear children, for whom I'm in in pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I pray that for you. I'm sure Richard does too. Because that's so Father's passion that Christ would be formed in you. What does that mean? It means that you pray like Jesus. You become dependent like Jesus. Jesus humbled himself and he took upon a... He said, I cannot do anything unless I see the Father doing it. Why would we think we could get through life better than Jesus when he positioned himself in a position of vulnerability and dependency on God? That's Christ being formed in us. And I, I will say this. There are many things that we go through as a church, individually that some of you go through, would have been avoidable in terms of, or better, had you been receiving the grace and the peace of God daily. May 2016 be a year when we all break through. Wouldn't that be wonderful? We'd even have men come in to share at the front, (laughs) apart from the obvious suspects. Why? Is it because men aren't reading the Bible and hearing God daily? Two questions you want to ask yourself about the scriptures. What's God saying to me? What am I going to do about it? So you need to ask each day. What has God said to me? What am I going to do about it? Distracted or devoted? That's the big question I'm posing to you today. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. Now, this is not me, this is Jesus. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. There's a reward that he will give you from going into this secret room that otherwise you wouldn't have got had you not gone into it daily. Man, this is reward points. This is better than Sainsbury's and Tesco's. You've got to learn how to pray. When I started working in an art studio, I, I, uh, I had to cycle 10 miles to work. That's how I got to love cycling. Get up at an unearthly hour in the morning. I used to find it as an Anglican church in Lutterworth in Leicestershire where I used to go at lunchtime and have my devotions for 20 minutes. Just 20 minutes. And sometimes God spoke to me, sometimes he didn't, but it built into me something that was so helpful. In 2 Peter 1, 2, Peter concludes, he said, May grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ. As I read the word of God, the Bible, more and more, Knowledge, and it, 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 it gets multiplied. It gets multiplied. 
And just in concluding, if we don't live by priority, if we don't live by priorities, we'll live by pressures. Church, this is my heart for you. This is my heart for you. Whether you're a Christian of many years or Christian of a, of a month or you're not even a Christian, we are not ordinary people when we connect to God because we are supernatural. We have supernatural resources. We just have to come and receive. Amen.